Welcome to episode number 30 of Technician Academy's podcast, hosted by ASC Master Technician Richard Young. This episode is powered by Premium Guard Filters. Visit pgfilters.com to view their first-to-market coverage. In this episode, Richard Young talks with 2017 Women in Auto Care's Female Shop Owner of the Year, Carolyn Cocolette. Carolyn is the owner of Luscious Garage in San Francisco, California, and is the founder and CEO of Shopware. To learn more about either of her businesses, visit lusciousgarage.com and shop-ware.com. In this episode, Richard Young and Carolyn Cocolette discuss the importance of properly trained technicians in the Bay, the value of shop owners in auto repair, what her goals are as a shop owner, and more. We hope that you enjoy the 30th episode of Technician Academy's podcast, powered by Premium Guard Filters. Visit pgfilters.com to view their first-to-market coverage. Welcome to today's Technician Academy podcast. We're fortunate enough to have Carolyn Cocolette with us on the podcast today. She was awarded the Women in Auto Care Shop Owner of the Year. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's it's our pleasure, and and you know, and I've had the fortunality to meet you out at the uh, reception in Women in Auto Care at Apex, and and you agreed to be on the podcast, and I'm thankful for that. Thanks for thanks for uh, the invitation, and. Um... I'm. Uh, I feel very privileged to be uh, one of your guests. You've had a lot of really great um, folks, um, you know, grace your your podcast, and it's a it's an honor to be included. Well, I, yeah, I, and I thank you for that. You know, so shop owner of the year, uh, Luscious Garage. Tell us a little bit about that. So, um, I got into the business in 2001 after starting to take some. Um, community college classes and um got into the service bay loved it uh around that time hybrids had just come out and i was super interested in hybrid cars and moved out to california where um there were actually some hybrid cars to work on and you're not going to learn how to fix cars without the cars themselves and uh so relocated from michigan to san francisco and worked at a few other shops out here before deciding that if I really wanted to get a steady diet of these cars, I really needed to strike out on my own. Um, at the time, I was really active on IETN and had a nickname, Luscious Garage, which I had had kind of since the beginning. It, you know, when when you're um, uh, uh, I don't want to say, um, gosh. When you're, you know, there's not very many women in auto repair and, and there there weren't a lot of women in, in Michigan where I was working and um, there was sort of an opportunity to either name yourself or be named. And so uh, I, I, I decided I would, uh, I would, uh, you know, take the first step. And, and so I kind of adopted Luscious Garage as a nickname um, and uh, that was my handle on ITN for a long time. And so when it, when it came time to open my own shop, I kind of, I couldn't think of a better name for it. And and now I actually have um, some misgivings around that, around that, which we could talk about if you were interested, but needless to say, we, I, I, I hung my shingle, uh, Luscious Garage Hybrid Specialists in 2007. And um, we were fortunate enough to pick a niche uh, of cars that actually did 
turn out to need some auto repair and they, 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 they do break. It just takes them longer to get there. Um, so it's been a, it's been a successful ride for us. And, um, you know, that's kind of the, that's the, uh, the 62nd life story. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, uh, in Michigan, there's not a lot of hybrids. Now, when you were in Michigan, did you study automotive repair there or? I graduated from, uh, the university of Michigan with a, a degree in physics and English, which, um, actually doesn't prepare you to do anything, but, uh, but to continue going to school. And I, I realized that really quickly. Um, and I was flailing around trying to figure out what to do with myself. And, uh, I was working at, I was at limo driver for a while. And then I was working as a substitute teacher and so on. And meantime, I was taking night classes in auto repair because I had had a problem with my car and I was sort of disgusted that after a four-year degree, I had no idea what to do about it. So I was, I was taking these night classes and ended up totally falling in love with the business because um, it was an opportunity to help people uh, every day, ground floor, car comes in broken, leaves fixed, very rewarding sense of satisfaction. And then um, it was something that uh, I felt like um, were skills that were you know, that I kept with me, they weren't, they weren't dependent on a great big corporate machine or, um, you know, other people's, um, professional politics. And that had been something I had struggled with a lot when I was considering going into nonprofit work. So the, um, I loved the idea that, you know, your toolbox has wheels on it for a reason. You can work anywhere. Um, you're helpful to anyone. And, um, uh, ended up going to work, uh, you know, wrenching on cars, um, about two semesters after, after first starting. So, so I, uh, you know, drank the Kool-Aid and, <laughs> um, and, you know, have never looked back. I've really always enjoyed fixing cars. And while I don't get to do it, um, as much anymore, I, I do, uh, like you, uh, consider myself a technician and I, and I look forward to, uh, to getting back into the service bay as soon as I can. Yeah. And, you know, and, I just looking on, on your luscious garage website, you know, it, it's an amazing website. I mean, you, you've, you've taken some things. First off, I want to commend you on the website. Uh, very well, user you. friendly, uh, very inviting to the customer, uh, you know, and, and that's extremely important in today. You have to separate yourself as a shop owner. You have to separate yourself from the competition. And, and I think your website goes a long way in doing that, you know, and Thank just you. some of the things that I see, you know, what made you decide not to have, you don't even talk about having a service advisor. What made that decision? The um, business, when it first opened in 2007, <clears throat> we really were positioning ourselves as an alternative to the dealership. Um, hybrids were still pretty new and we were doing a lot of maintenance work and, um, you know, people weren't necessarily price shopping on repairs because the cars weren't breaking. And so, we really wanted to provide um, a value proposition for that demographic of, of owner and driver um, versus the dealership. And that was predicated on, uh, among other things, transparency. And that these people uh, typically um, were very tech savvy folks. That's why they wanted to drive a hybrid in the first place. A lot of them had engineering backgrounds and understood how their cars worked. They just didn't want to work on them themselves. And so being able to 
provide a direct conduit between the owner of the car and the person fixing the car was really important to differentiating ourselves from uh, what would be a traditional experience at the dealership where you talk to the the service advisor at the big counter and then the car disappears behind the curtain and you have no idea who actually touched it. Um, we were really trying to emphasize the, you know, the personal component and the, um, the high level of, of competency. So, uh, and that was actually something that was born out of my experience working at the gas station in, in, um, in Michigan, it was a corner gas station. That's where I started. It was, um, you know, two bays, a really traditional, service uh, station with the pumps. It actually had full serve at the time that I first started working there. Uh, so it's a very classic kind of place. It hadn't been turned over to a convenience store. And, um, you know, basically the the guy who sold the cigarettes would, you know, write out a ticket, real basic, and then everything else with the job was done by either me or this other technician. And so we really got to own the repairs from start to finish. And I found that to be not only um, beneficial to the customer because there's less, you know, um, uh, opportunity for, for misunderstanding and miscommunication, you know, there's, you know, fewer degrees of separation there. Um, but also, uh, the reward factor of representing your own work and getting to hear the customer tell you directly how much they appreciate your service, um, really meant a lot to me. So all those things were kind of fo folded into the model here at, at Luscious. We have the advantage of working on basically the same car all day long. We're about 80% Toyota Prius. So not only one make, but one model. Um, we're kind of the Volkswagen Beetle shop of our day, if you will. And so um, we don't have as much of the challenge of, you know, building the estimate and, um, you know, navigating the diagnosis as much as we might on uh, a car we don't see as frequently. And so certainly, you know, part of our our design to not have a service advisor is, um, you know, facilitated by the fact that we're so specialized. Um, but I still find that that um, transparency uh, between the uh, owner of the car and how the car was repaired is, is really important. And that was something that was, um, uh, a big reason behind um, striking out on a, on another business project, which is um, you know the shop management company, which we can yeah talk absolutely. About later. And we're I want to bring up shopware here in just a little bit, but you know, and, and that's one of the great things. Uh, that was the exciting thing when I started doing some some background in in your shop, and and a lot of the shop owner female shop owners that I've talked to, they well their dad owned a shop prior to them, or uh, you know their uncle run the shop and they they bought into the business, or their husband runs a shop and and they are co owner, but you actually took it from the bootstrap up you might say and and decided hey we're going to build a build a garage and and i'm going to specialize in hybrid you know you're located in san francisco pretty close to the bay you know there's a huge amount of traffic there for the hybrid so being able to make that location and and everything work for you is definitely a testament to you know starting out with no shop and moving through and becoming successful. I, I see on your website, again, is, is, you know, you talk about taxis, and I'm sure there's a huge market out there uh, for, for taxi cab repair on the hybrid. Yeah, taxi cabs have been a big part of our business. Um, you know, Richard, it's really insightful you acknowledging 
the the process of starting something from scratch, which is to say nothing of the folks that have to keep businesses going. And, you know, there's all sorts of, of attrition that goes on when you pass uh, businesses through generations or through different ownerships. So, you know, that has its own um, challenges. But but certainly, you know, looking back on it, it's easy to say, oh, of course, the hybrid is going to be a great bet. But at the time, we really didn't know. Um, we were starting out super early and and the cars really, you know, weren't breaking at the time. And so it was a guess whether or not we were going to be able to make any money on them. And uh, we actually started out being really super involved in the plug-in conversion space because that was real hot at the time. And it was an opportunity to, to, to sell something on a car that didn't need anything else. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we just clawed and scraped and worked our asses off, uh, pardon my French, to get uh, up and running. And, and for folks that are considering doing that, I mean, you know, absolute hats off kudos to you because, you know, it is, it is a real challenge to, um, you know, successfully implement a new business. So thank you for acknowledging that. Well, yeah. And, and that you're welcome. I mean, and I think, uh, you know, talking about being awarded the shop owner of the year, you know, was that a surprise to you? It was a surprise to me. Um, I've been involved in women in auto care for, gosh, three years now, might have been a little bit longer, but um, I just love that organization so much. There's just such uh, tremendous talent and ambition in that group, and I'm just uh, constantly um, impressed and and um, kind of in awe of the folks there, and it's very, you know, it's, it's um, deeply inspiring, but... Um, you know, there's a lot of other people that deserve the award. Um, certainly, you know, Luscious Garage has gotten a lot of attention over the years because we've been new with some of our um, approaches and focusing on hybrids, focusing on on green business practices, et cetera. Um, but, you know, the ownership piece is, is there's a... Um, a lot of really impressive businesses and, and Judy Zimmerman who who won last year is a great example of someone who took a small you talk about somebody who who got into a family business, you know, she took it from um, you know, tiny little uh 70s shop and and it's now this gigantic um operation, just really impressive um business leadership there. But um, you know, at the same time um it was a, this has been an opportunity for me to reflect on where where we've come from and you know where we are now um the business turned 10 years old um in 2017 which was you know last year but the year that the award was granted and it just it it kind of it took me by surprise but at that moment you know when someone else gives you that recognition you know it's not up to you right they're they're the one providing it you don't get to choose and uh and I sort of was left to think you know what does this mean for me and it was really um special opportunity to sort of think about where we've come from and and give myself a pat on the back and saying you know yeah this this was really um an ambitious project and you know we've accomplished a lot and you know a lot of thanks to um the aftermarket for for seeing that recognizing that yeah and you know and i'm sure you uh comment on this but on your, on your 
front page of your website, you, one of the first things that pops out is your team. Uh, you know, and, and I always say that a good business owner or a good leader, if they're good, they have a great team behind them. And, you know, you, you've got some seasoned techs. Uh, what is the value? First off, tell us roughly how many techs you got working and how many bays the shop is. Sure. So, um, we're right in downtown San Francisco. So, um, we've got, uh, about, uh, 4,400 square feet of shop space. Uh, we do, uh, have access to a, a, a teeny weeny alley to park about four cars down the street. But, um, really most of the operations are happening inside of the, of the building. And, um, then we also have some, you know, parts and some office space and whatnot. But um, basically, it's five bays. We currently have four techs. We've been trying to hire somebody for six months, and all the shop owners out there are nodding their heads yes. Uh, so um, we would normally have five techs on five bays. We um, will turn on a given day uh, you know, 30 cars and, um, you know, we do about 500 ROs a month. So we're talking about, um, turning a car every 2.3 hours, uh, or two cars coming and two cars leaving every hour. Uh, so what we're talking about in, in this model, and again, you know, 80% Prius, this is a high car count, low average ticket model where we're just turning, turning, turning. We've got you know, very specialized inventory, very specialized um, technical staff, tooling, et cetera. And um, we basically make money on cars that, you know, nobody else can make money on. So, um, you know, that's that that's sort of by the numbers. We did um, 1.8 million in gross last year. We were down this year. We, I think we're going to clear 165. Uh mostly because we've been down a technician. Um, but uh, yeah, the average ticket on that is somewhere around, I think $320 nowadays. So for folks that are used to doing the numbers, that's um, that's where we live. Right. And, and but the, the beauty of, and, and coming from uh, working in dealership, having my own shop, uh, the beauty of, of kind of specializing in hybrids you know what pieces or what components you need to have available quickly. And, oh, yeah. And that helps in turning that, that car, turning that bay quicker, is having that piece ready and ready to go. So, yeah, I mean, I commend you on that. And, and you mentioned something, you know, hiring a, a fifth tech. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that is pretty tough. And, and I hear that all over the country. Uh, working with community colleges, you know, I see – some good techs going through there, future techs going through there and, and getting a good foundation. But we lose a lot of a lot of those individuals to manufacturing and different other skilled trades. So, you know, talking about that and, and getting a good tech, what is the importance of having that trained technician in the bay? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's your product, right? Um, I, I preach this a lot, you know, our, our, our product in, in auto repair isn't auto repair, it's our technical ability. You know, that's our product that we're selling. Um, and obviously a person needs to wield that technical ability. The, um, 
the car will become more and more sophisticated, um, more and more aided and assisted and, and potentially uh, self-driven as time goes on. But, but you know, self-driving cars won't be self-fixing cars for a good long time. Um, so we need people and we need increasingly um, more um, technically savvy people, uh, IT specialists to fix cars. Um, but people who also want to, you know, be on their feet and, um, uh, you know, get dirty and, um, uh, move around all day long and, um, finding that combination of person, uh, you know, that's kind of, uh, there's not a lot of trades, a lot, a lot of, um, avocations that sort of fit that model. And so it's been really interesting talking to folks at, um, tech force foundation and, um, you know, other training programs about, uh, you know, how do we market this career to, um, young folks or folks looking to change and try to communicate to them, um, the value and the reward, like what I was getting so jazzed on, um, when I got into the business, uh, whatever it was 18 years ago now, um, how to communicate and how to inspire people. Um, the big problem in in my market, and I think this is true of a lot of markets, uh, it's just pure economics where um, techs need to be paid more money. If if techs were paid more money, they they'd stay in the business and and more people would be drawn to it. Um, and right now in my market, you can make more money coding than you can fixing a car. And so why wouldn't you just take that technical expertise and and apply it to make the next greatest app? Um, instead of fixing that Prius, so <clears throat> or whatever's coming next, you know, fixing that Tesla. So um, getting our prices up and um, you know getting our financials of our business in in you know proper balance, I think, is the big challenge for shop owners in this intermediate stage while we're getting ready to work on uh, all these crazy cars coming out of warranty and, and coming off the assembly line still. I mean, it's just insane. It's a breakneck pace of innovation right now. And in order for us to be able to continue to sell our technical ability, we're going to have to be able to um, attract and maintain that talent. And, and that's our that's our business. You know, that's what shop owners do. They provide employment. So it's up to us to figure out how to how to provide that employment in whatever market, whether it's you know, Topeka or it's San Francisco. Um, it's just a matter of dollars. That's one thing, and, and I hadn't even thought about is the competition you have in in San Francisco with technology. You know, as far as finding an employee, and and you're very true in saying that you know that person, particular person, could could work on a hybrid, or they can go set and and build an app. I mean, it, it's it's not the same uh, uh, talents, but it's very similar. So yeah, I mean, that being able having to compete as a shop owner with that group of talent uh, could be very, very uh, interesting or very tough, you might say. Yeah, it's a challenge, you know. And there's this other component. I mean, I would say my my very first, uh, my our very hardest challenge in business currently is finding the people. The secondary challenge in my market is is having the space to do it. Um, so real estate and zoning and, and trying to not get pushed out of all these other companies that are, that are moving in. But what's interesting in that regard is that 
Um, you know, traditionally, a lot of these tech companies, and it doesn't necessarily have to be making, you know, something soft. It could be something, um, you know, hard, a, a Nest thermostat or whatever, you know, is the latest, greatest wearable, you know, watch. Uh, you know, whatever that happens to be, that increasingly, and these companies, they're, they, they are trying to provide substance where there is less of it. You know, they're trying to make these jobs feel more real, even though the things that they're doing are often, you know, ones and zeros. And as a result, the um, trend has been to have these businesses in sort of traditionally trade-oriented spaces, so not in offices with cubicles. And so increasingly, it is spaces like ours, auto repair shop spaces, that are, you know, being turned into uh, startup labs for, um, you know, whatever tech, uh, and also for weed farms, um, marijuana is legal now in, in California and they want to grow, uh, they want to grow weed in, you know, big warehouse spaces. And so we've got sort of these two very different vectors at like our space to be able to, to do it. And once again, you know, if we can't pay the rent, um, we're not going to be able to continue providing auto repairs. So we have to figure out how to monetize it. And how to stay, you know, competitive and relevant to our customer. We got to please the socks off of our customers. So, I mean, and those are very interesting dynamics that uh, maybe a lot of our listeners have never experienced. As a female shop owner, and now 10 years, I congratulate you on that. Thank you. Uh, you know, that's, that's a milestone, truly is. Why do you, what makes your shop, what separates it from, from the other shops? I mean, you talk about making that distinction. What do you believe that Luscious Garage brings to the hybrid owner that maybe your competition down the street doesn't? Mhm. Mhm. I remember when we first opened and, you know, we called ourselves Luscious, Luscious Garage and uh, you know, like I said if I could go back maybe I'd pick a different name. You know, everybody who already was in the business was looking at us going, "Okay, this is going to last, you know, all of 18 months." I mean, they're they're going to be out of here in no time. Um, you know, give me a break. This is a total gimmick. Um, and lo and behold, it turns out that, that we could actually fix cars. And so, <laughs> you know, our ability to compete at some level is is less about less about the boutique nice to stuff. It's about, you know, the core competency, which is what every single shop provides, which is cars fixed at a reasonable price with, you know, respectful customer dealings. And we we do that every day, all day. Um, I mean, we're very focused on the basics. So technical aptitude and being able to convey that technical aptitude to our customers first and foremost um, has been has been key. And so, you know, we like to talk about um, the fact that we're woman owned. We like to talk about the fact that we're a green business. We like to talk about, you know, the Wi-Fi in our waiting room and the fact that we're near a coffee shop or whatever, but that's not why people come in. You know, people come in and people come back because they got their car fixed. Um, and so doing that well is, you know, job one. Now, beyond that, how do you compete, assuming that there's other people down the street fixing hybrids as well as we do? Um, the, you know, inherent in that is like, how, how, well, can someone else compete in my specialty market? You know, we've figured out how to fix these cars. We've got the inventory. We've got the customer base. 
Um, it's kind of our business to lose at this point. Um, but that's not to say that people might choose to not own a car and may just take, um, you know, a lift around town. Uh, or um, they may choose to go someplace that's cheaper, but, you know, less less technically apt. And <clears throat> being able to convey that value has really been carried by the um, environment of the shop, being able to um, engage the customer, be transparent about what it is we're providing, really making them part of the process to understand and appreciate the services that we're providing. Um, you know, the the one great example is the service counter. And I uh, occasionally go out and make presentations. And <clears throat> when I'm feeling exceptionally provocative, I will just tell people to tear their counter down. Because what you're doing is basically putting a wall between you and the customer that needs your help. I mean, that's the exact opposite of what the customer needs. Um, the customer needs a bridge, not a wall. And so, for example, in our shop, we have um, the, like a check-in kiosk where the technician or, you know, um, the, our management, you know, if we're, if we're checking in a customer uh, anew, will stand next to the customer and look at the screen together and, you know, check the customer. And we've been doing that since we opened in 2007. I mean, we have always had this very engaged experience um, with the customer and really having them feel like it's their auto repair, not our auto repair. Um, and I think that's been paramount to um, people really feeling good about the cars that they drive and own and also, you know, trusting us to fix them. Yeah, I, I think, and not having never been to your shop, but, uh, you know, in talking to you and, and the ideas that you have and, and the website, I go back to that. You, you are creating an environment where it's personal. It's a relationship. Uh, yeah, you're fixing the cars and you're technically at, more than adapt at, at being able to do that. But you also create a, an interaction between your technicians, like you said. I mean, you're creating that, that connection. And, and, and I would guess, I mean, having the experience I've had in the industry, I'm going to guess that a lot of your uh, customers prefer one, and not necessarily prefer, but there's a technician there that has worked on their car the last two times, and that's the one they look to. You'll be able to create that personal interaction is, is extremely important. You know, and, and we talk about it, and, and I, I don't want to harp on it, but uh, being a female shop owner, why do you think that this industry doesn't attract more females? I, I shared with you prior to the, the recording or the podcast, you know, um, I, I do a lot of training at community colleges, and there'll be one or two females in each each class and the instructor will tell me that that female is at the top of the class what do you think stops those females from entering this industry yeah this is a very timely discussion um in terms of kind of what are women's experiences in the workplace and what discourages them from um, pursuing careers and i've been extremely fortunate to work with um, really amazing um, technicians and and mentors that really encouraged me and 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 um, uh, you know I never felt uh, unsupported. Um, but I think that generally, not just for women, but for all young folks that are getting into our business, we typically do 
a really poor job of supporting them. I've had discussions with different trainers and, and um, the, the mistake, the folly we make are, you know, these people coming into our business are, are priceless, right? This is the one commodity that is, you know, standing in the way of us, of our future is, is the technical ability, the talent, the talent, you know, and what do we do? We, we hire them, we, we get them out of school, we hire them, we put them in the bay and we just drop them into a, drop them into a bay and have them, you know, sink or swim. Um, there's very little apprenticeship. Uh, there's very little um, tolerance for, you know, how you get someone to learn a trade. It takes a long time uh, to develop real proficiency. You know, they, they say you don't know anything until you've worked on cars for five years. You know, how do you get that person from, you know, day one to, you know, the five-year mark and to the point that they're like, okay, you know, this feels good. I feel good about this. And I've had conversations with, um, you know, uh, some of my younger techs here in my own shop about how they can, they can cultivate that, that sense of proficiency and satisfaction. I mean, we're, we struggle to, to, to do that here, even in my own shop. So I think the idea here is, is not just about, um, where our talent is coming from. I think that that's also very real and it's important for the industry to look in the mirror and say, you know, what is it about our work environments and, and our mentorship that may or may not be biasing certain types of people. Um, but beyond that, once people are coming out of school and they are getting placed into jobs, and I just visited Tri-C, which is um, Cuyahoga Community College in, in Cleveland. Um, we were setting up a scholarship there for uh, in honor of a shop owner um, who's in my 20 group who recently passed away <clears throat> and um, had an opportunity to tour their facility. The facility is amazing. Uh, Cleveland's just passed this huge bond measure that's investing all this money into the program. They put out about 250 techs. Uh, I think it's either every six months or every year and 100% placement, 100% placement. Every single person coming out of that program has a job, but how long are they going to stay in that job? You know, how do we nurture them? And certainly for women, how do we overcome the fact that they're really not seeing a lot of people like them around? to make them feel like they belong, um, to encourage them. Um, and I think that that's true, not just for women, but for all people that are coming into our business. I, I would tend to agree with that. And, and that that's a very good point. I think, I'm sure you're familiar with Chris Chesney. I think he is, he, one of the things he talks about is the, the, the 330s. You know, the, these students leave these community colleges with possibly $30,000 in debt. Uh, they're making maybe $30,000 and they're expected to buy $30,000 worth of tools Right. And then uh, they're put into an environment that can be pretty harsh. Uh, you know, there's no one there. I think mentoring is a, is a great thing. I think mentoring should be uh, industry-wide. But, uh, you know, there's no mentor for that young technician to, to attach to. Uh, and especially as a female, uh, you know, there's not a lot of females in the industry already. So it can be very daunting and very, uh, for lack of a better term, scary. Yeah, how do I belong? You know, do I belong here? The um, the good news I have found personally for 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 any women who are listening is that uh, you know I, I can't speak for the deadbeats out there that are that are truly discriminating based strictly on your gender, but <clears throat> for folks that are running um, you know businesses that are about technical ability that are about you know um, results on cars, uh, it did not take me long in any of my environments by fixing a car well and working hard 
to show them that I was a good employee and for them to embrace me and give me opportunity. And in a lot of ways, being different, being a woman gave me an opportunity to stand out and um, develop my career. And certainly it's been an asset uh, promoting my business. So, um, you know, we're hiring. I'd love to hire a woman. Give me a call. Send me an email. (laughs) Uh, But uh, generally speaking, um, you know, if you're out there and um, you're fixing cars and you're working hard, ultimately, this isn't a political business. This is a um, either the car's fixed or it isn't. And uh, if you can do the work, um, someone's going to pay you to do it especially now. So I think it's a really great opportunity. And um, I would not discourage anyone, especially a woman, uh, from getting into this business. Yeah. So obviously, Luscious keeps keeps you busy. But yet, you decided to start another business, uh, Shopware. Tell us a little bit about that. So when, uh, when Luscious opened, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we wanted to have a real engaged, uh, fully digital experience with our customers. And that was um, both to improve their experience, understanding the cars, but also to make us look, um, you know, technically uh, capable. Uh, you know, we, we, we wield these amazing scan tools. We, we are managing all these incredible repairs. And then we turn around and hand a customer a piece of paper, a relic of the 20th century. It was just like, that was not going to happen uh, when I started my business. And so <clears throat> I developed uh, a web-based application uh, on which I ran my business for, uh, gosh, would have been five years. And then um, I thought, you know, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should take this this application and, and offer it to other repair shops. And I did that for a while, and it turned out that the code base and the design and everything really wasn't scalable. And so I ultimately decided to to not try and and go to market with that product. That product was actually called um, HiSpace, which was supposed to be like MySpace for your hybrid, which just tells you how old it is because it was back (laughs) when MySpace was around. (laughs) Yeah, that dates it a little, yes. (laughs) But um, anyway, started over fresh code base and um, started out with the checklist application and then moved over to uh, full-fledged point of sale and now shop management. Uh, We really kind of came out of the gate at Vision in 2015 um and uh no am i losing track 2016 2016 was our big launch um i've lost track of years now because you know (laughs) it's another one already um so uh we're fairly new to market uh but we're really excited because there hasn't been a lot of innovation in um, shop operations, and there's been a lot of band-aids, but there really hasn't been anyone to go in and, you know, rip out the the rotting, uh, uh, you know, smoldering, totally uh, broken wiring harness and just rewire that dashboard. You know, no one's been willing to do that. They've just been sort of medicating the problem, and so we're we're really excited to sort of. Uh, have really gone in there and started from scratch and thought about, you know, how do we recast automotive repair for the future and allow shops to, you know, frankly, get more done uh, with less human resources. You know, how do we, uh, we need to be more profitable. 
We need to, um, you know, train our own staff. We need to pay technicians more money, um, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, the old ways are, are you're not going to cut it anymore. So you might say that it's instead of putting a Band-Aid on it, it's actually fixing the problem. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's that's great. And, you know, and some some people may go on defense of reduced manpower. But, you know, in order to and, and you'll attest to this, I'm sure. But being a shop owner, in order to improve the life for your technicians and, and maintain and, and retain those good quality technicians, that money's got to come from somewhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, by lightening up the front end, uh, that's definitely a position a possibility. So, yeah, I, I commend you on that. So, basically, you were eight years into Luscious, and you, you decided to offer another product to the industry. And so, <laughs> that, uh, again, that's bootstrapping it up and, and going and, and making it happen. So, again, I you know, I don't have any doubts about, you mentioned that you feel that there's a lot of shops that maybe... Uh, deserve the award more than yours but uh, you know I think you're a testimony of, of what can be done and 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 how it can be done so I I see the, the reason for the award uh, so congratulations on that you know Richard that's that's very thoughtful of you um, and I appreciate that you know you're busy asking questions you know how do you find your your podcast gets to contribute I'm interested for you to take a minute to talk a little bit about, you know, the future and, and some of these topics and. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's uh, that is true. I mean, I am busy asking questions and, and, but technician Academy uh, was started out of passion. Having been in the industry as long as I have and 30 plus years now and, and um, seeing, I've been hearing about the technician shortage for years and I really have a drive to help tomorrow's technicians uh, see what this industry is and realize that it is a viable occupation. And the reason for the podcast, I mean, we do many things with Technician Academy. We we provide free website and content and, and technical data, but, uh, you know, the and, and then on-site training at community colleges. But the podcast, the beauty of the podcast is I'm able to bring people like yourself to our listeners that maybe enjoy working on cars, but kind of see it as not an occupation that's very glamorous. Uh, and so being able to bring different viewpoints, you know, you mentioned Judy Zimmerman. She she took a small business and, and built a huge repair shop that, uh, you know, really is a testament to what can happen. You know, I just got done with a, a podcast with a gentleman who's uh, started out as, as a changing oil in a Pennzoil pit, quick lube to being the president and general manager of a major corporation in the automotive industry. Yeah, I bet, I bet when you started, you probably weren't expecting that you were going to be doing podcasts. Oh, no. I was... Uh, uh, when you started Redson 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah I, uh, I started... 14, 15 years old, actually getting paid to, to turn wrenches. And, you know, and I loved it. I, I still love it. I love being able to do that, being able to find those vehicles and, and repair them that no one else is, can get repaired. Not that I'm any better. It's just maybe I'm more uh, hard-headed and want to get it done. But, you know, seeing what the industry, I started out prior to OBD2, prior to EEC3 and Ford. Mm-hmm. So I've been able to see the transition from points and condensers, adjusting valves to, you know, 
coil on plug, direct injection, uh, variable valve timing. You know, that that is so amazing this industry brings to, to the individuals. And, and that's part of what the podcast, my goal of the podcast is, is being able to bring that experience, not necessarily just through me, but through all of my guests, uh, you know, and, and get the listeners in charge, you know, listeners excited and charged up about this industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought of something. We were talking a little bit earlier about sort of luscious garage and, you know, sort of the luscious philosophy of, of uh, engaging the customer. And um, I wanted to mention that was, you know, we work on hybrid cars, but we have also this sort of hybrid business purpose, which is that, you know, we're trying to serve the car, but also serve the customer. And that's, of course, not unique to my business, it's true of every single auto repair shop, right? You're you're um, a dual um, operation of both, um, you know, managing the technical side, but also managing uh, the people side. And and you have to be, you know, that's the intersection. That's what a repair shop is: is the intersection of both the car and the person. Um, and that's true, you know, from a from a front office sales component. Um, but you also see all the people in the industry that are super um, passionate about the intersection between the person fixing the car and the car itself, right? The technician um, and the machine and knowing the excitement of learning new systems, knowing the satisfaction of having fixed it, to be able to help people every single day, um, to feel good about your own skills and um, you know, not just feel like a cog in the wheel, uh, you know, that stuff that, that you, and, and I think me, you know, that's why we got into this business and, um, it's part of the reason that we love it. And, uh, the folks at women in auto care are often talking about, oh, you know, how many great people are in this industry and it just sounds so trite, but it's true that the people who are in the aftermarket, um, really have this blended appreciation of both the people and the engineering. And, um, and that's, I think, really special. And I think that's, you know, where you're trying to bring um, what you're doing with the podcast uh, kind of in that regard, in that, in that overlap, in that hybrid space. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a very good uh, synopsis of, of what we are trying to do, uh, you know, bring that piece together so yeah and that you know you hear that and you, you that it's a relationship and, and just the people and but truly i mean with the exception of maybe two in my lifetime in this industry uh if that many have i not had a good experience you know uh, being able to take the relationships and and the relationships you you're building and and you're building within the industry i mean i see your name in publications i you know i see see that and and being i commend you for being a part of of creating a scholarship uh that's that's great um so with all i mean with this passion and, and with your passion what for the industry what if i was to put you in front of let's say a room of graduating high school students and i i empowered you to give them a keynote speech what would that what would that topic of that keynote be and and what kind of advice would you give them yeah i mean you're that young you know more so you know we talk about people coming out of college and not really knowing how the world works but certainly when you're coming out of high school you're you're super green and um it's hard to understand what's real um you know where you can 
feel satisfaction and, and, you know, what real choices do you get to make in your own life? Um, uh, and I think that the phone and the internet and social media and, and just the way we live now makes that situation worse. You know, it's more isolating and it's harder to really understand how things work and, um, and, you know, what, what, what's truly my passion, you know, what do I want to do? And I think that's where auto repair has unique opportunities because there are so many things you can do and it's so tangible. You know, you, you sit in the driver's seat and you look at the, at the dashboard, which is basically like the screen of your cell phone. I mean, it's just another screen <clears throat> isolating you from the thing that's, that's the magic carpet making it happen to be able to pull back that curtain, you know, to look under the hood, to appreciate all the simultaneous operations that are going on. I mean, I remember my mom thinking, oh, you know, maybe you should be, you should get into engineering. And I thought, gosh, you know, if I was an automotive engineer, that would be so boring because then I would just like learn how to, the headlight works or I just learned how the door latch works. You know, I want to learn the whole car. And from an applied physics standpoint, I mean, it is just fascinating, especially uh, as we see cars changing, we see, you know, the electrics coming out, all the um, ADAS and telematic systems. I mean, there is just so much excitement and being able to do something that's both stimulating on a, you know, scientific and mechanical level, but also, um, you know, has so many other opportunities to, to connect and, and help people. Um, I think that's really special. And um, for people who are, are given that opportunity to sort of get engaged, get their hands on the car, you know, take the big plastic uh, bulwark off of the top of the engine, you know, the hood under the hood, you take that thing, rip that thing off. Um, I remember being at the community college, one of my first classes, and the instructor said, I didn't know anything. I mean, the, the, one of my classmates said, hand me a ratchet and I handed him a wrench. You know, I just didn't know anything about, I just grabbed some random tool out of a drawer and handed it to him because I didn't know which one it was. Um, didn't know a thing. And we were, we were unleashed into the lab and the instructor said, pull the wiring harness out of this minivan. And, um, we popped the hood and, um, there was a, older woman who was in my class who actually wrote service manuals for uh, GM. And so she was in there getting her associate's degree. So she should get, she should get a higher pay rate. And um, she put her hand into the, into the engine compartment. I'm thinking, you know, Oh God, don't touch anything. She put her hand into the engine car and she grabbed onto the wiring harness running across the firewall and just pulled it away from the firewall. It's, you know, and I'm thinking, Oh my God, this car is going to catch on fire. <laughs> she just took it, took it by her hands, pulled this thing away and then with, you know, with her thumb kind of opened up the loom and exposed that there were, you know, all these wires inside of this, this thing. And I was just like, all of a sudden this light had gone off, like, oh my God, you know, this is how I get to actually see, you know, what's real, how things actually work. And um, I think that that's really, really special to young folks, especially now. Um, and um and I would, uh, you know, I would encourage them to give it, you know, give it a fair shake, give it a shot. If it seems interesting, you know, go to community college, uh, take a couple classes. They're super inexpensive. They're super fun. You'll always be able to use that knowledge. Um, 
on your own cars and um and yeah consider the career well that's good work and, and that's true i mean we see of course i i remember when the air cleaner was about the only thing you took off the top of the engine and, and but you know being able to see everything that's involved and, and the systems and how they're all working together to get that vehicle down the road and, and stop that vehicle so yeah i mean that that is appealing to a lot of a lot of people and i just think that personally i think that they're not they don't have the opportunity to experience it and and many other things that are reducing the amount of technicians coming out of the the uh, community colleges so yeah i mean it is amazing it's amazing industry uh you know and i truly enjoy it and, and i can tell you do too i mean uh <laughs> it's not hard to tell after a few moments of, of talking with you and i had that feeling whenever we first met at the women in auto care reception uh you just translate that uh through your discussion so i commend you for that so I, i've used up quite a bit of your time um you know you're you told me that you know you're out in california and it's you know a little bit gloomy today but uh you know you talked about the beauty of the weather what uh, i don't want to hold you back from that but what uh <laughs> come on man <laughs> yeah because you know i'm in the midwest and and it's uh well it was uh 12 i think this morning when i got out oh god <laughs> i don't i don't miss fixing cars in that weather i'll be honest <laughs> but it's <laughs> very does... easy to get spoiled out here <laughs> yeah i could understand that but you know we sell a lot of batteries and <laughs> and fuel pumps and such so uh brake lines we we get a lot of brake sure. lines yeah yeah absolutely so closing thoughts what what do you want the listener to know about about you about luscious about shopware about about the industry what do you want them to know after hearing this podcast uh thank you richard for the opportunity um uh whoever's listening i look forward to hearing your remarks five or ten years from now on this same podcast and learning from you and um you know uh, uh richard if there's anything i can do to help support what you guys are doing just let me know well, thank you. And and, and uh, so you're going to be at Vision in Kansas City? I will definitely be at Vision. Sherry puts on an amazing show every single year. She blows my mind. I... Um, another uh, superstar in this business. And uh, um, uh, it's always a really great event. All the brains are there. And uh, um, yeah, really fun, really fun time. It, I don't know is. how they put on all that training, but I, I, Sherry must be like they must have cloned her at least fifteen or twenty times. Right? No, it can't be one person. It You're cannot. Right. It can't be I mean, one it's person. It's just amazing <laughs> that whole the whole experience is amazing out there, and being able to get there and, and talk to people that that you just got done reading their article uh in in motor age or wherever uh -huh. uh, right you know that, that's amazing and and you know they're always uh, the relationships and the, and the friendships that are created there is is priceless so I, i'll i'll uh, i'll be out there myself uh maybe we'll see each other and, and say hi I'll see you there. but uh mm -hmm. yeah uh, so i'm looking forward to that looking forward to to seeing what happens in the future with shopware and luscious uh and just seeing how you project this industry coming going forward which i believe will be in a positive note so so thank, thank you, you for Richard. that thank uh, you very again much. i i appreciate your time i know time is very vital uh so i i don't take it lightly i thank you for to devoting some time to us and uh you know i may take you up on that you know how you can help technician academy so yep. uh you know our it's goals, been recorded yeah it's, it's out there it's out there it's it's in the, it's in the real world absolutely <laughs> So, uh, again, I appreciate it. And until we talk again, thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Uh -huh. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Technician Academy's podcast series, brought to you by Premium Guard Filters and Extend Performance. Be sure to rate us on iTunes and Google Play and visit us online at technician.academy. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Help us spread our Respect is Learn message by liking and sharing our content on your social media pages. Technician.academy, where respect is learned.